Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. called us to be his people and welcomes us into his presence in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This weekend is the weekend after Pentecost, which was last weekend. And we call this weekend the weekend of Trinity Sunday, the Feast of the Holy Trinity. At Mosaic, we follow the Christian calendar, which is also called the liturgical calendar. And we do this because the liturgical calendar organizes our time throughout the year according to the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We begin the year in late November or early December with the season of Advent. It's the season of waiting and lament when we meditate on and prepare for Jesus' coming, when he will fulfill all the promises that God has made to his people and and bring to completion the work that he began. And we celebrate his coming in the Christmas season which is a great feast. Then after Christmas, we celebrate the season of Epiphany, where the, we read the story of the Magi, the people from maybe Iran or something like that, who came to worship Jesus when he was very young. And we, we celebrate in the Feast of Epiphany that Jesus was revealed to the nations. And we remember that Jesus is not just for those who already know him, not just for one group, but he is for all people from all nations and from all walks of life. And after Epiphany, we walk with Jesus through his baptism, then to the Mount of Transfiguration. And then, after Transfiguration Sunday, we enter the season of Lent. And in Lent, we focus on the cross of Jesus. We fast, and again, we enter into a season of lamentation, and we ask God for grace so that we might repent more deeply of our own sin, and that we might actually walk more intimately and more deeply with Jesus in his sufferings which he engaged out of love for his heavenly Father and love for us. We walk with Jesus to his death in the season of Lent. And Lent ends with the victory of Jesus in his death on Good Friday. And then his Sabbath on Holy Saturday when he went down and plundered hell. Went down to the place of the dead and called out the souls that had been kept captive by Satan. And then we have the great feast of Easter on Easter Sunday when Jesus rose up from the dead. Death could not hold him. And we enter into a season of rejoicing that Jesus is alive. We are liberated from death and from sin, from disease and from the devil. And we spend 40 days just living in that reality that Jesus Christ is Lord over all and he lives forevermore. And the 40 days of Pentecost, or the 40 days of Easter lead us to Pentecost Sunday where we Remember that God poured out the Holy Spirit through Jesus on Jesus' followers, the church in Jerusalem long ago, and that God continues to baptize his people in the Holy Spirit. God continues to make dead bones live again by the power of his word and spirit. And that's what we celebrated last week. And that brings us to this week, which is Trinity Weekend or Trinity Sunday, the Feast of the Holy Trinity. This is the time tonight, when we behold what we have been singing about today, 
the mystery of the life that God has given us in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That now, now that we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, now we are filled and surrounded and drawn into the inexpressible life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is the fountain and the fulfillment of all life that is truly life. So this reality that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sometimes feels irrelevant or difficult to understand for us. But my hope is that tonight, by the grace of God, you'll feel with me the wonder and the goodness of knowing that God, our Creator, the source of all that is, is truly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that the true and living God has made us His children, His heirs. So let's read the scripture again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Would you pray with me? Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus our Lord by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you. We know that you have drawn us into your life. We know that you have words of life for us tonight. We know that you have something for us that we need and that is good. And so we are uh, opening ourselves up to you and saying, speak to us, Heavenly Father. Help us to hear the voice of your spirit within and make us what you want us to be in Jesus Christ, your son. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, friends, we live everywhere at all times, with the whisper and the shadow of life. But God created us to bring us into the boisterous and calm conversation and the glorious light of life itself, which is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You and I are accustomed to whispers and shadows. But the living God who is Trinity in unity, unity in Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the living God has created us not for the whispers, but for the full conversation of life. Not for the shadows, not to stay in the shadows, but to behold and to radiate the brilliant full light of life which comes only from Him and which infinitely surpasses all that we have ever imagined or experienced. God has created us for this purpose, to make us his children, children of his life, and to make us inherit his life so that we radiate his glory.
He will not leave us in a lesser place than he created us to occupy. He will not leave us in a lesser place than he created us to occupy. Right now, we live in the whisper and the shadow of life, but God created us to receive the reality of life itself from him, God our creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. There's this beautiful praise that comes to us from centuries past that says this, All hail, adored Trinity. All hail, eternal unity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, ever one. Now you and I, we really are surrounded with the whispers and the shadows of life by hints of the reality of God's life. But those whispers and the shadows are actually sometimes, for us, overwhelmingly beautiful. I think it was last year, I think it was after the first COVID wave, the first COVID lockdown, I think things were beginning to open up, when somebody from Mosaic came to me and showed me a video. And it was a video of them going with a group of friends to the beach. After being locked down for so long, they got to go to the beach. And so there they were with their friends. They're walking barefoot on the sand. They're laughing. They're teasing each other. There was the cooler with the food. And I know the food that these people make. It was good food. The music was bumping. The dances were live. And just seeing the video brought joy to my heart. It made me long to be there with them, to be with the community. Made me imagine the settled happiness of walking with good friends along the beach as sunset paints the sky. It is so good to be able to share moments like that. They're whispers and shadows of life, even though their goodness overwhelms us. Now, there are times when the community gets together to support each other. Maybe you love to plan celebrations for someone who is experiencing a joyful life change. Maybe a retirement, a baby shower, a move into a new place, maybe starting a new business like Corey and Jess are doing. Or maybe you have the incredible gift of walking in deep places with people who are grieving and really struggling. And you see them find hope. And you see them gather strength. And you see them take new steps into deeper wholeness. These are precious and extraordinary gifts. They're the whispers and the shadows of life. When we're in these moments, we genuinely hear the whisper of the voice of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's at a distance. We are truly experiencing the light of the triune God, but as through a dark, tinted glass. And we are aware of the holiness and intensity of all of life in these moments when the whispers and the shadows of God's presence are near. The value and the importance of the people in our community is something we feel in our bones in those moments. We feel it in our very soul. The love of God is present there. The sacred gift of passing our strength on to others. And when we are in the valley of the shadow of death together, time slows down and we feel the honor and the humility that comes with being in that holy space. Well, the cross of Christ is present there. Receiving the love of our friends and family, knowing that they are with us and we can count on them. My goodness, their love calls forth gratitude from within us, even if before we, they were annoying us 
and we were feeling resentful. Or maybe we felt so lonely. But their love calls out our gratitude. And where our insecurity might have been strangling us, our family and friends, they give us a new confidence. The Spirit of God is present there. And when we dance and we share the food and we feel the water and the sand and we behold the clouds and the sky with all their infinite variety and extraordinary proportion, we feel the holiness, the health, the goodness, the beauty of what is, of this creation that is. And this all is the whisper of the voice of God, the shadow of the brilliant light of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This all comes forth from the living God and at a level that our mortal hearts and ears can take it in. If we're free to listen, if we do not forsake life. All praise from every heart and tongue to thee, ascended Lord, be sung. All praise to God the Father be and Holy Ghost eternally. The sad reality, of course, is that we are not often free to listen. In fact, we often plug our ears and distract ourselves. Sad reality is that we often do forsake life. We turn from the whisper of life to the meaninglessness of death. This is what the Bible calls living according to the flesh. When we live according to the flesh, we become slaves to fear. We really are slaves to fear, and we die. And when this happens in our community, it is devastating. Often, when, when my family is getting ready to go to the beach or to go on a trip, we set a time for when we want to leave. And we miss that time that we wanted to leave at. And uh, this guy's usually responsible. And that stresses some of my family out. Sometimes I'm not the only one responsible, but I am. Anyway, it stresses us out. Now, if in that moment our anger grows then our anger blinds us. The play that we could enjoy together, the goofing off at the beach, the, the, the songs in the car, all that good stuff, the stuff that we could enjoy now seems boring. We don't even want to do it. The beautiful sand at the beach, all of a sudden, it seems like it's too hot or too rough or just kind of bleh. The food seems like it's too cold. The music is too loud. The teasing's too annoying. All because of disappointed expectations selfishness, anger, wounded pride. In any community where these realities are at work, our relationships grow more distant. People stop talking to each other, and the whole community weakens and grows cold. Selfishness, pride, resentment, passivity, and more, they're all in our hearts, within our community, and they close our ears to the whisper of life and they plunge our eyes into the darkness of death. We forsake life. As a community, we forsake life. And we all live according to the flesh, and we all die. And these are realities that we face today in our networks of friends and relations. But I want to stop and consider for a moment. Now stay with me here. What kind of theological imagination are we living out when we live in the flesh and when we're dying? Like if you think about who we are becoming in terms of God, 
or how our behavior makes sense in terms of God when we are living according to the flesh. What can we say about that? Well, when we are filled with bitterness and selfishness and all that stuff and life is fragmenting, we are certainly not living in the reality of the God of life who is himself love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No. When we let our pride and our selfishness drive our relationships, when death infects our communities, we're actually living in a theological world where the gods are like the gods that inspired the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Isn't that weird? We act like Thor and Loki, Odin, and all these other guys. Thanos, even, whose name means death, right? You know that. Or if you prefer the Greek version, we act like the gods of Olympus who are just out for power. They're like The only thing that makes them different from all of us human beings is that they're just more powerful than us. And their lives are filled with unending conflict, wounded pride, scheming, and vanity. Now, if that's what God is like, and if we actually have offended the greatest of all the gods, then we should be afraid because he will get us back. And as we say so often in in the church, we are made in the image of God, which means that the way that we are living embodies the vision we have of God. So if we are treating each other with suspicion, vanity, broken pride, we we are going to project that onto God and expect that God will treat us in that way. And so, like I said, how can we not be afraid of the God who is all power and all pride and we're the ones who have offended him? We should be afraid in that theological world. Now, these kinds of gods are the gods that the early readers of Romans, which is the text that we're reading from, they would have known those gods well. And those gods are the gods that their political and religious leaders and their neighbors would have honored with huge parades and elaborate ceremonies. Because whole cities were so afraid of these gods that they did not want to do anything wrong to offend them. And these early Roman Christians would have known how awful it is to live in the fear of those gods because those gods are unpredictable. Those gods do not care about you. They are easily offended and they would squash you in a moment without a hint of remorse. They look at the chaos of our world and they say the gods are unpredictable. Treat them well or they will squish you. But those are not true gods. They are not the creator God. They are the projection of our human sinfulness and the deception of demons onto the spiritual realm. Now, we know that the nation, the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. As we read tonight, the Lord God, his voice is over all of creation. His voice is over the storm. His voice makes the cedars crack open. The voice of the Lord is great and glorious. We know that. And so we reject, you know, we reject the gods of Marvel and the cinematic universe. Obviously, those are not gods worth worshiping. But there's another picture of God that does operate in our time that I think we need to talk about briefly. And it's a very powerful image of God because it claims to be faithful. It claims to say that there is one God. It's monotheistic. It's it's monotheism, but without the Trinity. 
And in this vision of God, the idea here is that the ultimate spiritual reality is totally inaccessible. It's unknowable. It's not the Trinity. And in this picture, ultimate reality is sublime. It's empty, though. It's a sublime unity, all things being one, no differentiation. It's ultimate silence. The totally unknowable mystery beyond all experience and imagination, monotheism without trinity. There's one God or one sublime who is not the Father, not the Son, not the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's your picture of God, which is common today, and it's an influential picture of God, then that leaves us in the same place as the gods of the ancient peoples. We are left in an awful situation. We are left to be slaves of fear because if ultimate reality is that sublime silence of nothingness, it cannot be love. Ultimate reality cannot be love. If that vision of reality is true, then ultimate reality cannot be beautiful and is not beautiful. In fact, beauty itself is fleeting and will end. Uh, it cannot be justice. There cannot be actually justice if that is a, a good picture of ultimate reality. There can be no righteousness. In fact, in ultimate reality, there is no joy if ultimate reality is monotheism without the Trinity. There can be no laughter in the ultimate reality if God is not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in fact, in this picture of ultimate reality, where the ultimate reality is sublime, beyond our comprehension, not Father, Son, and not, not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in that vision, every particular person, every particular community, every physical object, every word spoken, everything other than that sublime nothingness is alien and foreign. Nothing belongs. Nobody belongs in that vision of reality. If this theological imagination describes reality, then our lives are unwanted. The earth is unwanted. Community is the illusion that masks our ultimate isolation. And then we have no reason except to live in anything but fear. We only have reason to be afraid because our physical world, our bodies, and our voices are now inherently violent, imposing on that sublime reality. And our future is the ending of our existence, our annihilation. Yay! Isn't that terrible? But that is not a faithful picture of ultimate reality. Yes, it's true that God, our Father, who exists beyond our knowing, is He is unknowable. The Father is beyond our comprehension. He is the one that brings forth the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is beyond our comprehension. But because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, ultimate reality, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's love. Oh, it's joy. Oh, it's delight. It's amazing. There is ultimate justice because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God really is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, out of his infinite goodness and delight, eternally brings forth the Son whom he loves. That is Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, the Beloved, 
who delights to do the will of the Father. And the Father eternally generates the Spirit, who in some ways is the love of the Son and the Father, who are delighting in each other with such infinite intensity that here is another member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, an unending and unimaginable expression of delight. Each person, fully God, one God, in Trinity, Trinity in unity, without confusion, without, uh, yes, without confusion of persons. They are one. Because God is three, an eternally good, constant delight, abundant justice, radiant beauty, and bottomless love. Because God is Trinity, all these things are real. They endure, and they belong to us. Because what what God does in eternity in a way that, 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 that transcends our capacity to understand is that God loves God. God the Father loves the Son, loves the Holy Spirit, and each one honors the other and gives full justice to the other. All of the honor that is due, justice, love, joy, these things are eternal realities that are the very life of God. So, you and I then, we are not annoying mortals who are irritating to unpredictable, scheming, sensitive, and violent gods. No, our bodies, our words, our physical world, we are not an imposition on ultimate reality. We are not violating the sublime with our existence. No, ultimate reality is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit revealed in Jesus Christ, who lived, died, and rose again for us and for our salvation in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he brings forth all of creation out of the abundance of his infinite goodness. He wants this beautiful creation. He wants you. He wants me. He brought you forth so that you might enjoy all the goodness that he is, which is all goodness in unending measure. God delights to make us his children. God places his own spirit in us so that the infinite goodness of the living God becomes the path that we walk, the riches that we inherit, the glory that radiates in and through us. God places his spirit in us and his spirit testifies, cries out from within us, in our bodies, in our space, our internal life, cries out with our spirits that we really are God's children. And those moments of joy that we experience at the beach, in the homes of the people that we love, at work, when we're working on good projects and serving people well, those whispers and shadows of life, they belong to you. They are yours because your creator made you to experience them, to build those experiences and to enjoy them. His spirit within you says, God is my father. What belongs to my heavenly father belongs to me. And what belongs to my father is all good things in abundant measure. My inheritance is satisfaction beyond my imagination. My inheritance is to be satisfied with justice because God is justice. My inheritance is dignity and righteousness beyond measure because my father is holy and righteous and beyond all glory that I can imagine. My inheritance is courage and joy. My inheritance is beauty and strength. My inheritance is all good things. For God did not withhold his son from us, so he obviously will give us all things. So friends, we say with the psalmist, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and we 
inherit the earth. We belong to this creation because our Father has given us to it and it to us. We belong because we come forth out of the community of the Trinity. And this is the foundation of our fight against sin. This is how we put to death the evil that threatens us inside us and outside of us. We say, this sin is not my inheritance. It doesn't belong to me. Jesus has taken it out. My father has something better for me than this sin. My father might be allowing me to go through this test so that I might love his goodness more. He is teaching me to love what is good so that I may truly possess goodness as my own. The sin is not my inheritance, but my father is training me to receive a better inheritance than I know. For my father wants to give me his very self. We say, this insult, this stress that I'm feeling, the anxiety, the shame that I'm feeling, this is not my inheritance. The stress, the failure, the insults, they bring to the surface my frailty. They bring to the surface my weakness. Why? So that I may cry out with more power with the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father, I have failed. But your spirit says that I am your child, so I belong to you, and I belong with you, Heavenly Father. These, these frail bodies of ours, our Heavenly Father brought them into existence, and He loves them. He ain't letting them go. They belong with Him. We belong with Him. And this is the strong way in which God brings wholeness to our community. When we and our friends drift into silence, right? When we give each other the silent treatment, when we let anger and resentment, pride and laziness take their toll, well, in that situation, we say that's not our inheritance. Instead, we act with the goodness of our Heavenly Father and we say our community was not created for death, but for life. Our inheritance as a community in Jesus Christ is the glory of God in Jesus Christ, His Son, the unity of God in Jesus Christ, His Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God within us makes us like our Father, sending us with Jesus, our big brother, to build bridges of reconciliation, peace, and healing among fractured friendships. The Holy Spirit within us forms the goodness of God in us and impels us, moves us from within to love those around us with the unending love of our good creator. And to what end? Well, can you imagine a day at the beach? Soon? May lockdown end soon? But can you imagine a day at the beach where a, a beautiful, vast community is present, where the circle of love has grown so that there are new, so that there are new people among us enjoying the day? Where, where people of different abilities are actually able to be at the beach together because we figure out how to get wheelchairs into good places and we can enjoy the water and the view. We can be there together because we're doing the hard work of including each other. And we're able to enjoy the creation and we're laughing together where friends are actually reconciled to each other. Hostilities and beefs are over. And out of the renewed friendship, those friends now make space for strangers to come and follow Jesus with them. 
Can you imagine young people and old people, people of different languages, different histories, becoming a community filled with God's goodness and justice, love and mercy, patience and beauty, where skills, connections, opportunities, and stories are passed on from generation to generation? Yeah, you can imagine that. In that community, above all, the life of the Holy Spirit is opening the ears of every person present so that the whisper of God's voice grows to an audible and beautiful conversation, an intimate conversation, where the presence of the Holy Spirit fills us with the light of life itself. And we are filled with wonder at the life that brought us forth, at the life that redeemed us and created us constantly anew. Can you imagine that? I think you can. May God make it so. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh God, do what we have just heard. Pour out your Spirit afresh on us and impel us. Move us from within to love the people around us with your love, Heavenly Father, the love that brought forth all the worlds and sent your Son into them to redeem them and to, so that the, all that you have created would remain yours and not be lost. Father, you are worthy of our praise. Almighty God, you are worthy of our praise. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. As we come to the table now, would you meet us here, we ask. In the name of Jesus, your Son, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thank you.